It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to 96000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. You know, I couldn't be more excited and amped up to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Kyle Porter, founder and CEO of SalesLoft. Kyle, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. I'm excited to be here and excited for our conversation. Yeah, well, it's always fun to talk with you. So I, tell, us, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, cool. Well, I am now sitting inside of, uh, I'm sitting in Central Florida at my Orange Grove, uh, Tangerine Grove and, uh, and Lake House. So it's the um, Thanksgiving holiday. I'm here working from home uh, this week, but I run a company called SalesLoft out of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, our company grew from four employees at the beginning of last year to now over 85 employees. We were ranked as the fastest growing technology company in Georgia in 2015, and uh, just recently uh, were awarded with Atlanta's best place to work. Uh, for companies in our size category. So I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a founder, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I got a a 15-month baby girl, I love to uh, wakeboard, bike, play golf, and uh, read a ton, and talk about sales with folks like you. So I'm excited about today. We're going to talk about sales. So (laughs) (laughs) tell people a little bit about SalesLoft, I mean, what the company does. Yes, I started the company in 2011, and the whole idea from the very, very beginning is that salespeople want more information in order to connect sincerely with their prospects. And tons of information exists on the internet, and uh, we just got to deliver it to them. And so that really morphed into uh, building a platform that allows uh, prospectors, salespeople, inside salespeople, uh, to connect, um, qualify, and convert prospects into sales opportunities. So we do that through an email engine, a phone engine, and a social uh, touchpoint engine. It's like uh, insidesales.com meets Yesware. Uh, with a little bit of a, a modern twist. So we help people set qualified appointments and do it all on the SalesLoft platform. Okay. And for people that aren't familiar with what InsideSales.com is or Yesware, I mean, Yesware is an email tracking program that really is sort of one of these, uh, I don't know, I'd call it almost like table stakes for salespeople these days. If you don't have uh, the ability to be able to track the emails you're sending and whether customers are opening and engaging with them, then shame on you because it's very inexpensive to do so and it's just sales intelligence you absolutely need to have mm-hmm. to insidesales.com for really bigger enterprises that uh, you know provides a way for your inside sales team to quickly and easily dial you know make a large large quantity of dials I guess uh, outbound dials to prospect yeah that's right so we, we've 
we really have been the first company that's integrated a dialer function inside of the email tracking function and make it really easy for your team to execute on the steps necessary to connect with your prospects. Okay. So you're a leader, in, and I'm going to use a broad term. You're a leader in what I call sort of the inside sales space, a thought leader, and your company's you know, well-regarded, you got a great product. So to me, there's been this evolution, I guess, in the way people think about inside sales. And I think there's sort of this, this chasm between sort of old-school salespeople and the more modern uh, salespeople that's saying, hey, you know, how do we how do we optimize the way or utilize our resources to be able to effectively outbound prospect and so on. So maybe for listeners, define what you consider to be inside sales today. Yeah, great, great uh, question. And, and I think I agree with you. You know, I, I try not to look at things as inside or outside. But what I do is I look at things as modern or not. And you went, you mentioned that word, uh, you know, a modern seller uses the the, um, the has the mindset and the, the skill set um, you know, the people, the process and the tools to get things done. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's no longer inside versus outside. It's kind of, do you use a computer to help you or not? And a lot, <laughs> a lot of these field sales or outside salespeople, uh, they may be really successful and spend 75% of their time behind a computer. Sure. Uh, you know, they might be at a coffee shop or on an airplane, but they're using a computer to get the job done. And, uh, and so that's really my outlook is that the modern sales professional takes all that they have and all that they are and blends that with the, the best of the best in internet capabilities. And it's almost like uh, the Iron Man character who is smart, uh, he's skilled, he's empathetic, he has all these talents as a human, but he puts that machine on, he puts that Jarvis you know, on, on his arm and, and that you know, power crystal, and, and, he, and he's able to do more than anything else. So it's like uh, human plus machine, and that's kind of how I look at selling. So I try not to think of it as inside versus outside, but really like empowered by technology and not and then skilled or not. Right. Uh, but, but I love this idea of the modern sales organization. Oh, I do too. And so one of the things, though, that you're seeing in conjunction with that is, is increasing specialization of sales roles. And, you know, there's the sales development reps, account execs, and so on. So maybe it gives people some, explain how that sort of breaks down typically, at least when you may use your own organization as an example. Yeah, for sure. You know, there, there's an author, um, a gentleman that we both know named uh, Aaron Ross, who came out with a book called Predictable Revenue. And and this was really the, uh, this kind of stood as a moment in time that kind of helped uh, shape this specialization process. The whole idea is that uh, my highly trained, highly paid, highly recruited account executive closers should be spending the majority of their time working open deals. They shouldn't spend the majority qualified, of their time. Qualified prospects. That's right. They should spend their time working opportunities that are highly likely to close. And uh, they shouldn't spend their time trying to figure out where those opportunities are, aka prospecting. And so I want to I want to establish a role inside my organization. I've already done this, but you know, speaking hypothetically, that's the sales development role. And this sales development uh, function and process is really the biggest innovation to happen to the sales process in the last decade. And what it means is is that now you have highly trained people that are specifically focused on taking accounts that you've never talked to, never connected with, or they might be inbound leads and converting those, connecting with those people, uh, qualifying those people and companies, and then converting them into sales opportunities for your closers to go in and approach. And then after my highly trained closers close the deal, I want to pass that opportunity along to my account managers who are trained at nurturing and the, the relationship side of account management. 
that are absolutely skilled in all the touch points and and uh, you know uh, kind of necessary skills in that department, so they can be most effective. And the salesperson can go back to selling, and the sales development person can go back to opening up opportunities. And so this has really been a big trend that's emerged, and we've seen so many companies be successful with it. Uh, you and I talked before the we turned on the recording that a lot of the companies that are adopting it are technology driven businesses kind of to start, uh, but we're really starting to see other businesses pick up this trend and, and really start to adopt the specialization model and the sales development function. Okay. So, and just to you know, break it down again for people that are listening to this. So to start with, you have your sales development reps who are your prospectors, right? They're mm-hmm. out identifying the opportunities and making the initial contact and moving them along to a certain point in time. And That's right. that could vary from company to company. And I want to come back and talk about that in just a second. So then there's a handoff to your account executive, you call them the closer, but the fact is they're not just closing the deal. The deal is not ready to be closed. They have to do what a salesperson does. They have to help identify needs, do discovery, create some value with the customer, co-create value with the customer, come up with the best solution, and then close the deal. Yeah, absolutely. The way we say it is they consult with the prospect to understand their needs and goals. So their, their, their job is to find out what are the objectives of this company mm-hmm. and then ask the right questions, uncover the right situations, you know, find the right pain points and showcase and, you know, and help them understand whether or not the product will help them solve their problems or the solution. Right. Uh, and then go through that entire process of, uh, you know, a sales process. It's a sales process. And so then when you close that order, then you're going to hand that off to an account manager because certainly in a lot of businesses these days, especially if there's any sort of recurring revenue, hey, the order is just the start, right? Because you want to be able right. to maximize the account value or the lifetime value of lifetime revenue value of that account. And the person who's going to do that, who's going to manage that customer, work with them, help them uncover additional and future needs, you know, whether you're doing a land and expand strategy for account management, that's the account managers. Yeah, different skill set, different set of priorities. Exactly. So a couple questions on that. So is there, have you come across a business that you think could not benefit from this level of specialization? It's maybe a crazy way of asking the question, but it, yeah, I mean, to, yeah. to me, it seems like I, haven't, I don't think I've seen one yet. That... Well, I think, you know, I, I, I've seen a few, um, some companies that have very, very quick sales cycles. And I mean, one call closes. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, my buddy sells um, suites and season tickets at the Atlanta Falcons uh, NFL Stadium. He's not going to call someone up and say, hey, are you interested in tickets? Okay, let me pass you along to Bob who closes the ticket, you know, people who are interested in tickets. He's going to ask you for your credit card on the spot, right? So, um, you know, but transact- in that, in, but in transactional that case, sales. Sure, but in that case, though, they may have skipped the account exec, but there is an account manager oftentimes, right? I mean, at least yeah, I've seen yeah, organizations yeah. that do a that. So we, manager a relationship manager. So you still yeah. have this specialization. It's just maybe you're removing one layer. Well, and sometimes you, you know, a lot of companies, if they can't afford it or if they don't think it fits their model yet, the individuals will spend different periods. They'll block out, you know, functions of their calendar to be that person, right? So, if, you know, I've got a buddy that started a software company and he really can't afford to put in all three roles yet. And he's got to do some of the selling himself. And he's got one guy coming in that, you know, uh, you know, to help him out. And so that person is now like, hey, on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, Wednesdays I'm prospecting from these, these blocks of time. Right. And then I'm setting my appointments up for these other days and times. And so we even see it at the individual level that if you can't, you can't specialize it, you can specialize yourself or your people. And, and so that's even an option as well. Sure. And that's absolute best practice, right? I mean, if you're an individual sales rep, you need to have definite times during the day that you've blocked out to do prospecting. Otherwise, it's 
never going to happen, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> we've all seen that before. So these sales development reps, so we start looking at these specialized roles, this is really now your entry-level sales rep and mm-hmm. sales position. So what's the profile of a typical SDR, maybe in your business? And I know it's hard to generalize across all businesses, but what are you typically looking for as you hire these types of people? Yeah, great uh, question. So obviously this, this, is, this is typically more of a junior role. Um, so you're seeing companies recruit uh, sometimes out of college or sometimes a few uh, years out of college. Um, so, you know, kind of limited to little experience in the industry. But I'll tell you what we look for. We look for people who have selling backgrounds. And what I mean by that is we look for people who were selling magazine subscriptions in middle school, people that were selling knives in college or, uh, you know, people that were, at, you know, working at Cutco or selling, uh, you know, baseball cards or any kind of historical um, examples of selling. I've got my two, so SalesLoft has 20 SDR, sales development reps, and the two with the most historical, uh, I took the two most historical successful sales development reps at SalesLoft out for dinner the other night, and they found out together sitting there that they had been part of a magazine sales program at their schools, and both of them had won first place. And the award for winning first place, this is amazing, you're going to love this, Andy, the award for winning first place is this company took you to their office where they had a glass room that you would walk in with, uh, with holes in the ground and they shot money out <laughs> in the room. They shot money out and as many of the dollars that the kids could grab, they got to keep. Excellent. And so I sat here at the dinner and I realized we lucked into these two hires who were trained as children to sell and, and literally grab money. grab money. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever, you know? And so from now on out, I'm like, I'm looking for people who are trained to grab money. Um, but, you know, all joking aside, I'm looking for people who have been cold calling, cold emailing, prospecting a lot. You see this, uh, I see this in the recruiting industry a good bit. Mm-hmm. really have to fight to, uh, to be respected in that industry, and I love that. Uh, the financial services industry, people selling insurance and financial vehicles, Love that. Uh, so any, any role where people have been grinding to connect, um, that's really my favorite for the profile for sales development reps. And so sales development reps, do you hire them then with the expectation that you know, there's a career path that they then can morph into becoming and you know, create their, their career path, become capable people that could become account execs? Or is it, you know, yeah, absolutely. Do, you ex- do you expect that? The, I mean, because it seems like a lot of companies that sort of a churn and burn with the, the sales development reps. Well, that's the whole thing is, is we, don't want, we don't want to do that. You know, we want to create organizational health inside of our company. And so the sales development rep is really be- breeding ground for a number of different functions in the company. Uh, you could go into account management and customer success and, uh, and do the post-sales work. You could go into account executive role or, uh, or a seller role. And then you could also look at other roles around product or around marketing. Now, for us, we're really fortunate because we build software for sales development reps. Mm-hmm. And so some of our sales development reps who are using our software, uh, they get really, really familiar with it, and they might want to move into the product side. So our, most, uh, our first ever sales development hire is now the head of all of our products. So just a kind of an interesting thing there. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we do draw out a really neat me- matrix that helps our sales development reps grow, and we recommend this. You can actually look ours up. If you type in sales development rep matrix online, you'll probably find ours. Um, but there's a ton of different places that they can go and based on their skill set, you know, they may not be a super hunter and they may not be, you know, fit for the closer role, uh, but might, might be really good at nurturing and, and managing relationships. One of the other things you asked me about profile, uh, I will say 
that we are having a super run for the females at SalesLoft. As uh, my head of sales development is a female, and she reports to me. And then number one and two on the charts for Q4 right now are both females. So I'm telling all the guys, you got to catch up, uh, or we're just going to hire a bunch of women. <laughs> well, hey, I mean that's excellent. That is incredible to see because you know one of the things that that and I'm glad to hear that because you know I get a lot of calls as a you know running my own company as you do from sales development reps, and rarely ever do I get a call from a woman. So that's that's fantastic. You know, I'm yeah, glad to you hear know, you. It, it's it's been really helpful to have a woman in leadership. Um, because they, they see her and they see what you can do. And I think it's really inspirational. And so that's been awesome. You know, we're really proud that, um, 50% of our leadership team is, is female. So that's really been cool. And, and, uh, you know, it's something that's important to us. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. And before we do though, I have a question to ask you. It's sort of a hypothetical scenario I pose that I pose to every, every guest on the show. Okay. So here it is. And you'll give me the answer after the break. You're a new sales manager hired into a company whose sales have stalled out. And so they desperately need to be turned around. Senior management really got a lot of focus on this. So on your first week on the job, what are the two things you would do that would have the biggest impact? So we'll take your answer after the break. With me today, Kyle Porter, founder and CEO of SalesLoft. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Kyle Porter. So, Kyle, right before the break, I gave you this hypothetical scenario. Sales leader, new into a company, need to turn around sales quickly. What two things would you do in your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? Cool. Okay, so the first thing I would do is assess the organizational health of the department. And I do that by surveying folks, by asking a lot of questions, and by understanding where people stood within the organization. So that's the first one. So I want to make the most healthy departments and divisions by understanding that everybody knows their job, knows their boss, knows how they're doing it well, and the system's all, all set in place to keep them intact with that. But here's the other one. I know how salespeople operate And salespeople have to look up to their manager or boss in order to work effectively with them. And since I naturally have been selling my entire life, now I'm a CEO now, so I don't sell you know in the Mm -hmm. same ways, but I'm selling. Sure. I would get out and showcase my passion, my talents, and my ability around selling. And so I'd get a big prospect in that I could connect with and bring other members of the team in so that they say, hey, Kyle's on board with us. He can help. He can sell. Not only is he focused on the culture and organizational health here, but he's somebody we can follow and learn from. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, that's, and I think it's such an important point is managers need to model the behavior that they want people to follow. And it's oftentimes you don't see that, right? It's you hire a sales manager, especially these days in some larger enterprises, the sales managers all seem to have their heads buried in the CRM system mm-hmm. and they don't get out and sell and show people how it should be done. Yeah, you know, I, I we have the privilege of every once in a while um, getting me in the loop on a sales call, and it's just it's always so exciting to me. And 
And, you know, the reps always write back and say, you know, in one of our, our pulse check uh, surveys that we do, and they say that they like to see it and it, and it helps keep them energized and helps keep them motivated. And so, uh, you know, I don't do it as much as I, I'd love to, um, but, uh, you know, I'm selling other things. I'm hiring executives. I'm, I'm raising capital. I'm convincing the engineers to build products in a certain way. So I'm selling every day. <laughs> I'm selling doing everybody. it in a different way. <laughs> That's right. Just as Daniel Pink said, everybody sells. So let's talk about sales loft for a second because, you know, it's a, you call it a sales development platform. But I think there's, there's something really unique, I think somewhat unique about what you're doing that, that really sort of changes the paradigm for prospecting. Um, so tell people a little bit about what the platform does. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time here, but the whole idea is that, uh, you know, right now today, if you have a sales organization that's trying to set appointments with their, their prospects, they're wasting a bunch of time uh, on dial pads, in email applications, uh, logging things in CRM, trying to remember what to do next. And uh, we just make all that stuff really, really simple. So a manager or the team lead or even yourself can script out the steps that you want to take with a prospect. So you might say, I want to reach out and have seven touch points over a 12-day process for each new prospect I add to my account, my, my, my list. And uh, it might be step one, send this email template, uh, but tweak it this way with some personalization. Step two, call the people who didn't reply to email one. Step three, email number two to the people who didn't reply to email one or answer the phone on phone call one. And so it just allows you to set up all those steps and then you log in and it's got this big green button that says, let's begin. And, and basically, let's begin is your day one steps, your day two follow-ups, your day three follow-ups, and then you just execute everything inside the application. So instead of picking up your phone and dialing a number, you have your headset plugged into your computer and you click a button and it starts dialing down the list. Instead of sending an email through a, you know, one-on-one, one-to-one through your exchange or Gmail or, or letting marketing send a mass blast that's unpersonalized, you get to send your own targeted uh, small blasts that are able to be personalized and customized before they go out. And then it does all the tracking and analytics. And then the coolest thing is it measures everything you're doing, logs it all to Salesforce or your CRM automatically, and then it comes out on the back end and says things like, you know, you should make calls at 3 p.m. instead of 1 p.m. or you should send your emails at this time or of all the people on your team, here are the ones that are following the process and here are the ones that are successful. Or of all the accounts that you wanted to prospect, here's the percentage you were able to convert versus the other people on the team versus industry benchmarks. And so it's all these analytics and information that make life so much easier to come back in and improve. This template works better than this template. This voicemail works better than that voicemail. Bob's making this percentage of connections, but Tim's making this percentage of connections. And so we love you know, how the analytics are really changing the game for our customers. And, uh, and then the workflow is just an easy way to log in and, 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 and do your job staying accountable and making it fun and easy. Well, I think the workflow is, and I, you were calling at one point a cadence, which I think mm-hmm. is a great term, is that, and that's really the point I want to talk about, you know, more specifically than just the product. But, you know, if you're prospecting, you know, most people when they prospect, they're given a name, they call, if they don't get a voicemail, you know, or if they don't get the person, they get a voicemail, and then they put a follow-up somewhere saying, well, I'm going to call again. Yeah. And, you know, if you repeat that four or five times, you're not going to make any progress, right? Uh-huh. And so I think the beauty of what, what you've done, which I think is a lesson, whether they're using your tool or not, for people that prospect a lot, is it's a mix of activities yep. within a defined period of time that increase your chances of really intersecting with that prospect's life. 
Yep, and then measure which ones worked and, and change, measure which and, ones works. And tweak the the pro, the cadence, if and you will. Tweak the cadence and do it again. And so you yep. could do that all manually. Mm-hmm. But I think the key lessons for a lot of people listening is that it's not all one thing that's going to enable you to connect with these people that you need to prospect. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, you could do some of it manually, but you can't uh, record your conversations no, no, and, no. and auto log your disposition no, to your CRM no. or. You know, call with the area code. Uh, you know, if you call someone in Arkansas, it comes up as an Arkansas number. If you call someone in Texas, it comes up as a Texas number. And uh, you know, Hello Operator did a study that said you get uh, a thirty percent increase in connection if you have that kind of local. So there's a bunch of things that, that kind of you know these software tools can do, ours or others, um, that help. But you know, here's the big one, Andy. I think you know uh, we talk about this new function of sales development. It's kind of been around. I mean, people have been doing cold calling for a long, long time. Uh, but here's an interesting perspective to look at. Uh, in sales, we, we have the concept of an opportunity. And an opportunity is when something becomes qualified uh, at a level that the, the account executive thinks is going to close. But what about before that? What about the top 200 companies that you want to be in that don't know you or haven't connected with you or don't have any connection? What we're, what we're looking at now is those 200 companies, they effectively become uh, an opportunity for the prospector or for the sales development rep. So the sales development rep now has 200 companies and their goal is to maximize the percentage of those companies that they're able to convert over to a sales opportunity, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the big one. If you take, let's say you have two reps, rep A and rep B, and rep A has, uh, both of them have scheduled 30 qualified appointments in the month of November, which is awesome for you. Your, your quota was 25, they both did 30, and these things are going to close into big pipeline opportunities and be great. But Rep A prospected 3,000 companies to get 30 to convert, and Rep B prospected 400 companies to get 30 to convert. Rep B is the standout, uh, pro- standout prospector or sales development rep in that case. And the reason is, A, they didn't have to chunk through all that data, which costs money and process and time. Uh, B, they left a lot more opportunities open for other salespeople to come in and not have to wait until that 60 days from last touch uh, you know, uh, in, the, in the CRM in order to touch them and try to convert them. And then C, they didn't leave a, a, a scorched earth behind them for all the you know, 2,970 that they didn't convert where they probably spammed them and came across with an insincere message. Right. And so we're really focused on the, the creating rep Bs in the industry. I mean, not Bs, A players, but you know, <laughs> the second rep in that scenario uh, who are able to take a smaller number of accounts and convert a larger percentage of them. Oh, couldn't agree more. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I was glad you qualified that toward the end about the, uh, the scorched earth with the 3,000 because – yeah, you wouldn't want to have an example where you had two reps where during the same period of time, one made 400 calls and one made 3,000 to, to generate the same number of opportunities. Yeah, and well, what's happening is that these modern companies, they think they're automating things by sending these spam blasts out. And so they blast out 5,000 people and they think that's a worthy touch. But really what you've done is you've wasted an account that now a sincere seller has to wait 60 days in order to touch that account because you've got rules in your CRM. But they'll say, no, well, we ran through the sales rep's email system, which is what our tool does. But you can't send those blasts out and expect the response. Now, you might get your 30, you know, you might get your 30 results. And that's where the problem is, is the sales development rep is like, hey, man, I hit my number, right? 
But the CEO is like, no, dude, you wasted a bunch, you scorched a bunch of earth to get there, mm-hmm. and uh, and we don't want you doing that. So that's where the problem is: is that a lot of these modern companies think that that's the right way to go is just blast these emails out. Um, but it doesn't take long for them to be around until they realize, hey, you're eating up your prospect universe, and you need to you need to be more sincere with it. Yeah, and I think it's really a, a key point you make about sincerity. So, what do you do in your own practice within SalesLoft to make that communication? come across as sincere yeah uh well we don't use marketing automation for any outreach ever so rule number one uh we never send an email through marketing automation unless it's somebody who's already subscribed to something requested to download something is on a trial of something so no email communication blasts ever um that's rule number one number two is anytime my sales development reps are sending emails they're never sending more than 50 new emails per day so they're not sending 200, 300, 400. And then all those emails are going through their own email system. Now, they use SalesLoft to do it, mm-hmm. uh, but they have the opportunity to come in and personalize each and every one of those. And we follow a philosophy called the 108010, which is the first beginning opening line of that email is 10% is customized based on the things they've done, the places they've been, the blog posts they're putting out. Uh, then the 80 next percent is a templated piece. It talks about how we can help or how we think we can help. And then the closing line is personalized. And since we sell into kind of these mid-sized deals and volume is important to us, my reps are able to prospect a large number of accounts, uh, be uh, sincere to those accounts, not overly sincere or hyper-sincere, but hyper-personalized at that 1080-10 level, and they convert a large percentage of them over. And then they're phone calling, uh, they're A-B testing phone calls, they're doing all the things to nurture these prospects uh, with a real human touch point uh, along the way. Yeah, and so let me make a last question along that point. That that's a one that's sort of a pet peeve of mine. And you know, there's all the talk and training that goes on to say, look, all these tools exist, social media, others, the internet, to be able to find something out about your prospect, to be able to personalize communications before you do that initial outreach. Mm-hmm. Why does that still seem to be so hard for people to do? I mean, I I get calls, as I said before, from SDRs from companies that we've even talked about on this program today that clearly hadn't looked at my LinkedIn profile, hadn't looked at my my website. Mm-hmm. And if they had, they would have seen that they shouldn't have wasted the call. Yeah, activity requirements. Managers have requirements for their level of activity. They want them to make $75 a day and they haven't figured out a way to make those $75 a day and research the prospects along the way. So what do you, um, what do, you do for that? Well, what we do is is that w- the system is set up to auto-generate the next steps for you, so who you're going, going to call. So you're one click to dial right outside of SalesLoft. And then while they're doing it, they've got the Salesforce record open, and they've got the LinkedIn record open, and the company page record open. So they've got this kind of ability to capture this three-by-three three research, and they're highly trained to be able to look at it at the same time as the dial's going out. So they probably do like a two-minute before, and then right. click button and, and go. Um, but it is a balancing act. You know, you've got to be able to quickly have a process for setting all the things up, be able to, um, you know, scour it quickly, figure out some key touch points and then move on. But they do work on the front end to make sure that the right people are in their funnel. So, you know, they wouldn't call you if, if you weren't a good prospect because, uh, they would have already figured that out before they made the dial. So that it's important to, you know, on the front end now, um, every once in a while mistakes going to slip through, but, uh, it's important on the front end to make sure you pick the right list of people you're going to reach out to. Yeah. And, they, and they target by the account. 
So like my, my, you know, my sales development reps, they choose the company first that they want to sell to. And, and, and your company would not be one of those companies because there's requirements on size and, and industry and things like that. And so they'd go in with the target list of company names, and that's who they're prospecting to. They're not prospecting to Bob and Joe because you know Bob and Joe might be, Bob might be gone and Joe might be in a different department. Now they start at the account level first, then they find the right Bobs and Joes. Okay, yeah, I'm just saying a good point for people listening is that that touch of personalization as you talked about, which comes from knowing something about yeah. Yeah. about the prospect before you call, contact them. Anything <laughs> is really important. Right. Otherwise, right. otherwise you're going to waste not only your time on that first outreach. You're going to waste the customer's time. As you said, it's going to take you 60 days at least before they forget about it. And you get another chance to go in. They leave a bad. They, your brand is a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah, which is the last thing in the world you want. That's All right. right. Excellent. All right. We're going to move into the last segment of the show. I've got some rapid fire questions for you. You can give me a one word answer or you can elaborate to your heart's content. You ready? Mm-hmm. So what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Oh, uh, well, come on. That's an easy one. It's well, no, I mean, think about a personal attribute as opposed to a tool. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I was thinking of a product. Maybe that's yeah. where my head went. Um, okay, I got it. It's resourcefulness. I think, um, you know, I, had, I just gave this talk to the team the other day is that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're um, engaged enough, playful enough, driven enough, um, you know, crafty enough, you can get through to anybody and, uh, and, and you can accomplish anything. And, and, you know, that's resourcefulness. And, a lot of times people, when they're, when they're not able to accomplish their goals, you ask them what it was that, that held them back, and they'll give you a list of, of resources. This is something that was inspired to me by Tony Robbins. Right? They'll say they, don't have, they didn't have enough time, they didn't have the right people, they didn't have the right money, uh, but really what it was was they didn't have the resourcefulness. And so I think you know, for me personally, that's been the thing that's gotten me through all the stages of entrepreneurship, the ups and downs, the, the crash landings, and the, and the you know, kind of uh, re- reboots and all that stuff. And so I love... I love thinking in terms of resourcefulness and hiring people who are resourceful and coaching people to be resourceful. Yeah, and I, th- I think with that comes, as you talked about, is, is being yourself. I think so often people, especially early salespeople early in their career, think that they have to conform to a certain model of uh-huh. behavior and so on, whereas if they're their authentic self, and you use lots of words, playful, resourceful, and so on, everybody's different. So yeah. sell to your strengths. That's right. Okay, excellent. Next question. Who's your sales role model? Um, Bill Clinton. Oh, really? Why? Because uh, I had to answer quickly, and he was the one that came to mind. <laughs> well, there's a reason it came to mind. <laughs> uh, I saw the I saw the Bill Clinton um, debate against Herbert Walker Bush, and uh, there's a moment where a lady in the audience um, she asks a question, and HW, you know, she asks a question, and HW looks at her, and he's standing there, and he kind of crosses his arms a little bit. He kind of stands back a little bit. He kind of challenges the question a little bit. And, and, um, and, you know, she's not moved or impressed or anything. And his response is terrible. And then Bill Clinton stands up and he walks towards the lady with his hand on his heart. He repeats back what he thought the question was and, and she confirms that it's right. And then he goes in to tell a personal story that correlates directly with her story. And, I know for a fact, you know, what, believe what you want to believe, Republican, Democrat, you know, I won't even, I won't even, you know, it doesn't even matter where I am on this stage, but I, I believe in my heart that he truly cared about her in that moment and it, sh- and it shined right through. Oh, and, yeah. and I thought it was, it was amazing. Uh, it was amazing kind of counterpoint between what HW did and what, um, and what Clinton did. 
and it was very, very impressive. And, you know, to hear the way, you know, when, when somebody comes into a conversation with maybe HW, you leave the room thinking Herbert Walker is a very smart and impressive person. When you leave the room after talking to Bill Clinton, you leave the room thinking you're a very smart and impressive person. And that's the impact that he had on other people. And I think that's really cool, or has still today. And I think that's really cool is that, you know, regardless of all the scandals and crazy stuff that he's been involved in, you know, if you can make someone feel like a million bucks and you truly believe, uh, you know, the praise and, and the gratitude that you give someone, uh, I think that's, that's where, where, you know, sales should begin and end. Yeah, and I think going along with that is, is that what he was so good at is being present, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a chance to meet him in 2008. He had come out to San Diego to do a fundraiser for Hillary, and, and I got an opportunity to go and stand in line and shake his hand and meet him. Very powerful. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. the, the charisma, but the fact is when he shook your hand, he was completely focused on you. And so when you're in sales, how hard is it? You know, he was, you're not going through reception lines, receiving lines where you're meeting hundreds of people at a time and making everybody feel that special. You only have to do it one person at yeah, a time that's a right. few times a day. <laughs> and just think how powerful that is. That's a lasting memory. So take the time and, you know, when you're with a customer, be with the customer. Okay, right. next question for you. What's the one book that every salesperson should read? Uh, I'm going to say how to win friends and influence others. Um, you know, this is, a, obviously, a, Dale Carnegie. a, a must read. Uh, I, I would, I would go so far as to say this isn't a must read. This is an annual read. Yeah, Very, very, very good. Yeah. I just, uh, was talking to somebody yesterday. So I made the exact same point about the exact same book. Well, you know, the reason is, is that I, I, I read it and I go, wow, I knew all these things, but I didn't do them yesterday. Right, I, I know all these things in my heart to be true, but I'm not reminded of them all the time. And 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 right before I picked up this book, I just I just did something that I shouldn't have done, and I treated someone a way that I shouldn't have treated them, and I I didn't praise when I should have, and I didn't lead with the honey, you know, like uh, you know, I, I just think that you know Dale Carnegie needs he he needs to remind us frequently how how to behave, and uh, you know if if we don't continually kind of uh, you know improve on it i think someone someone gave me an analogy the other day they said um they said that uh they were talking about discipline and they said discipline is like a shower you need to do it every day and and i think you know you can't just do it once and be good i think you know uh the the lessons i learned about love first and service and gratitude uh from from dale carnegie and from that book uh, really like a shower. I've got to continually, you know, remind myself of them every day. Excellent. Okay. Dale Carnegie. And the thing that's an important lesson for people is I think, I think selling has changed and we can enumerate the ways we think selling has changed and the impact of technology. But at the end of the day, it's still a person dealing with a person. Yeah, that's right. And those things are essential. Okay. Here's a really tough question for you. What's your favorite music to listen to to sort of pump yourself up? <laughs> well, uh, we were just talking before the podcast that we both ride bikes, and um, I am uh, I, I'm, I'm into cycling. I'm not as as, as good at it as you are yet, uh, but you know, I, I found that my times are a lot faster when I'm listening to Rage Against the Machine or something <laughs> really really intense. So I, I find myself going to that, but uh, but I'm really more of an audible guy than than a music guy. So. Uh, right now, I'm cranking through some Andy Stanley leadership, Audible, uh, Kindle books, and mm-hmm. uh, through Audible, and uh, and I prefer to listen to books than I do to music. But uh, big classic rock guy, uh, Beatles, Zeppelin, 
uh, Almond Brothers, you know, kind of Southern rock, classic rock. I was going to say, you know, old soul and a young body. Okay. <laughs> so what's the first sales activity you do every day? Uh, probably sell myself on what I'm going to do for the day. You know, like I, um, I, um, my wife and I have this pretty aggressive uh, goal for the number of days we wake up before 6 a.m., and that's one that I've been working on. And so the first thing I got to do is sell myself on why I should wake up and get out of bed at 6 a.m. <laughs> um, but I think we're always selling ourselves. And, you know, it, it's hard to sell something else if you aren't sold on, on your, your own stuff. And, you know, I think, you know, there's a quote. I have no idea where it came from, so I won't be able to attribute it. And I've kind of I've probably morphed it a few times over the years. But I love this is that, you know, selling uh, requires a fundamental belief in yourself in the product that you represent and in the company that you work for and that the, the art of sales is only a mere transference of that belief. And so I think that's, you know, it all begins in, in selling yourself on, on you, on your product, on your company and being sold before you go out and sell to others. Well, with a young child in the house too, it seems like getting up early shouldn't be an issue. Well, yeah, she doesn't wake up at, at six though. She wakes she wakes up at like seven, six, yeah. 6.45. Well, I always found my kids were that age that I, uh, before the kids came along, I always liked exercising in the evening. But uh-huh. once the kids came and I, you know, you work late and you come home and you don't want to miss any time with them. So to me, that slot first thing in the morning, as soon as the eyes open, going out and exercise really became essential. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I hear her out in the hallway making noise. She's, she's, she's waiting for me. So as soon as the podcast, I'm going to All right, we got one last, <laughs> one last question for her then. One last question. Oh, no rush. So what's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? Hmm. Um, so the question that I get asked the most is around uh, how we manage the organizational health of our company. Uh, so it's not really a sales-driven question, mm-hmm. uh, but I get this question all the time. Uh, you know, Kyle, uh, you, you, uh, like I'll, I'll give a talk, and 10% of it will be on core values and culture. And then afterwards, four people will come to me and be like, I have more questions about the core values and culture stuff. And so um, you know, I, I get that question a lot, and, and really my answer is that you know, as a leader of a team, as a CEO, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, there's a lot of things we don't have control over. We don't have control over our competitors. We don't have control over the macroeconomic climate. Uh, you know, we don't have control over maybe maybe someone else's budget or any of these things. But when we lead teams, we have control over what the team is focused on, what the goals of the team are, the core values that we use to hire, that we use to fire, that we use to reprimand. And that we used to praise on, and that the, and the meeting structures that we have, the updates that we provide, the metrics that we report on, and really the the overall health of the organization from a from a kind of fluid motion perspective, and uh, and that's really what the questions I get is is why and how and and what and all the things that kind of come with that. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Kyle, thanks for joining me today. It's been great talking oh, you're very to you. Welcome. So, it's been Kyle Porter, CEO of SalesLoft. How can people find out more about you and SalesLoft? Uh, you can find us at salesloft.com. I also have a blog at kyleporter.net, and uh, you can find us on social all over the place. Hard, hard to miss. We've built our business around the internet, so uh, hope to see you out there, and hope to help you uh, increase sales and uh, set more qualified appointments. Excellent. So, remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. Subscribing to this podcast can be an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, Kyle Porter, who share their expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, 
This is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.